Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today on the show is Niraj Mathur, founder and CEO of Savings Oak. Welcome to the show, Niraj. Thank you so much. Looking forward to being here and speaking with you. Thank you. And um, I love that we were actually able to meet in real life before we do the uh, recording. Oftentimes, I do not have that privilege. So this was nice. I do want to thank you for the wonderful chat that we had in person in San Francisco and the coffee and all of that. It was therapeutic. <laughs> Appreciate it. So I want to ask you something. Let's start off with our career paths because I did not notice until recently that we both started in tech and also around the same time. And now you are the founder of a fintech company that is building for the 99% of population so that they can invest and secure their future. This is fascinating to watch because I don't often run into a lot of people that came from similar background. Oftentimes they've, you know, been a serial entrepreneur, always in financial services or came from a bank or credit union and what have you. So it's nice to have someone who well, can also speak the same language. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how do you end up being where you are right now? Yeah, uh, thank you. And I want to echo back uh, coming out of COVID. And uh, now being able to meet with people in real life is such a privilege. So thank you for taking the time and uh, meeting with me. I really enjoyed the conversation that ranged from a variety of topics. Um, yeah, look, the <clears throat> coming from tech, late 90s, one of the best advice I got when I, uh, I was born and raised in India, New Delhi. And when I reached here in the United States, one of my first job manager told me something about this thing called 401k. And at that point in time, a young 20-year-old uh, was not aware of those acronyms, didn't fully understand, didn't even know that how that's going to impact. The advice I got was pretty much free money for yourself for retirement, put it in there. And uh, didn't think much about it, put it away, started my life in tech, uh, went on to do a bunch of uh, large companies, Sun Microsystems, Silicon Graphics, Cisco, you name it, and then had almost a decade of startup experience. And during the time, uh, I'm also started to uh, get in my 30s and then in my 40s, and the 401k thing started to actually become a little more uh, than just some money going in there, more meaningful. And <clears throat> coming out of cybersecurity and looking for something to help people out, I was looking for opportunities uh, where I could apply my experience and user experience, product management, security, and more importantly, help people in a way that they have not really thought about. And the best way I could do that was helping them in their finances. I ended up in an organization that provided 401k for small mid-sized businesses, and I ran product there. And what I learned speaking with our users, uh, customers at that time was many of those people were not saving for a yacht or a fancy place to retire. They were saving so that they could actually meet their needs in retirement, particularly around healthcare. I would often ask them about health savings accounts, would get confused uh, or mix that up with flexible spending accounts. And therein lies where I was wanting, I wanted to help them prepare for it 
and also understand the difference. And that was an opportunity where I realized most people do not fully understand the advantages of health savings account. Second, everyone, particularly as we were going into pandemic and there were millions of layoffs, almost 15, 20 million layoffs, people were losing health care. Great time for somebody to focus on their health care. And more importantly, it was an opportunity for me to actually really fulfill my dream of helping people out where they needed the most. And financial uh, services organization was born. Savings Oak is pretty much the premise of Savings Oak is enabling people to be able to save for retirement through health savings accounts, through IRAs, and eventually 401ks as well. I, I like that story because I'll be the first one who said, who would completely acknowledge when the health savings account first came out, I was thoroughly confused. I'm like, okay, FSA, HSA, wait, wait what? what? what up? And, and what's the difference between the two, right? And um, it wasn't until when I talked to you in person in San Francisco that I realized, wait a minute, there's a whole lot more you can do with HSA than I realized. And and it's pretty bad because I'm supposed to be quasi in this industry too, right? And shame on me, I did not pay attention nor did I actually understand. So um, I, I think this is a big need that I am so happy someone is challenging and addressing. Because um, if I'm like this, I can't even imagine other people who are busier and have less access to information than, you know, the purely the opportunity that is lost um, for people. So Thank you and kudos to that. Um, the one thing that scares me, absolutely, being in the United States uh, beyond climate, <laughs> which we can see and feel on a regular basis, is retirement readiness. And like what you were saying, healthcare, right? It's it's huge. Um, I read recently, United Healthcare, for example, they were saying that you know because of the rising cost of care, they have concerns. Well. Duh, this is a concern I think many of us have had for years. But retirement readiness, nevertheless, is something that I would say many Americans are not ready for um, because you already have so many things you need to worry about. Um, thinking about long-term, it's not something that 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 we know um, to do, at, at least you know, from, from a human instinct perspective. And the one thing that saddened me the most is now we see more people who say, oh, you know, they need others to help crowdfund their retirement, which is one of the saddest things to see in a country that is so full of resources. Um, so what are some of the most urgent issues in your point of mind? Uh, all the things that we need to tackle. Um, what are some of the things that that we must do and by whom? Because more than half of the country do not have access to an employee-sponsored retirement plan. We have healthcare costs, we have insurance insurance challenges, we have inflation challenges. Pick one. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> well, the the there are a variety of challenges. I mean, if we macro level, when we're thinking about, you mentioned something about climate. Um, however, when we think about day-to-day -day Americans, day-to-day -day lives. We are looking at people spending immense amount of money in their healthcare expenses. Uh, almost 60% of individual bankruptcies that are filed in the United States 
are because of medical debt. The amount of money required to retire uh, continues to increase in hundreds of thousands. And particularly as the lifespan increases at this point in time, based on fidelity and a bunch of other uh, industry folks, uh, any a couple could need anywhere between three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand dollars just for their medical expenses. Now, if we think about uh, what that means from a yearly perspective, you're looking at twenty five, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year for medical expenses and retirement for someone who may live 20, 25, 30 years. That's a very, very large number of money. Um, it scares people. And that's particularly why early on, we don't care about retirement. Later on, by the time you actually start to think about it, it's already, you're already behind the eight ball. And uh, that's a, a growing concern for a lot of the folks. For us, particularly uh, from a Savings Oak standpoint and where we are as a team, we are looking to help people understand three things really quickly. Fundamentally, what's the difference between health savings account versus a flexible spending account? They're not the same saving versus spending. Second thing comes out is from a different standpoint, health savings account money goes in tax-free, as long as you spend it, take it out for a medical expense, it's tax-free. And the biggest, one of the biggest, I should say, aha moments for most people is you can invest your HSA dollars, which is not something you can do with a flexible spending account. Money also doesn't expire. It's not use it or lose it. Once you have it, it is yours. And here's another hidden secret. That's not really hidden, but most people don't grok it because it's in the details is once you have an HSA account and you have an incurred a medical expense, for some people who can afford to do it out of their pocket, they can put it in the receipt, save the receipt, what's called shoeboxing, and take the money to, out of their HSA account whenever they want. So for example, if you got a $100 bill, you paid it out of your credit card. The $100 are sitting in an HSA. Hopefully, they're invested and not just sitting in cash. Uh, and so your $100 could be $125, $150, $100, number of dollars over a period of time staying in the market. And you decide seven, eight years later saying, oh, here's my receipt. I want those $100 back. You can take those $100 back. By the way, if that became $1,000, you can leave the other $900 in there. And that's the power of compounding that actually starts to work. So for us, we want people to understand HSAs are awesome. You can use it to your advantage in multiple ways. Three, understand full capability of HSA to fully benefit from it, uh, understanding that investments are there, and then you can leave the money in there. And anytime you have a receipt, you can take it out for yourself for qualified medical expenses. So I want to ask a very stupid question because now I feel totally stupid. Why, why is that? Why is it that people don't normally know about this? Is it? It cannot just be because of education or lack of information, right? Or, or, or what? What, what is causing that disconnect? 
Uh, it, it is related to some amount of education, and it is also related to some amount of fear. So let's tackle both of them. Health savings accounts are primarily tied to what's called as a high deductible health plan. And with HDHP, so there are three types of plans, HDHPs, PPOs, and HMOs. The way we in the United States choose our medical plans, we are about three weeks of enrollment in fall usually, or 30 days if you join a new employer. Most people, this is one of the last items on their list to think about. And typically, me included, uh, if you have a partner, they are looking at it, or whoever is the person responsible for it is kind of paying attention to it. Rest, they were like, which one do I choose? So we end up choosing from a perspective, from a, a point of view, whatever is the most expensive, let me choose that plan. That is detriment to both the employee or participant or the employer, because you may not need all the medical care, but it's like, oh, that must be the best one, so let me choose it. So instead of thinking about the benefits of the plan, many times like this must be the right thing because it's the most expensive. Well, usually HMOs, PPOs are a little more expensive or sometimes quite a bit expensive than high deductible health plans. So the fear of unknown, which we are all suffering from uh, in a variety of uh, span of life, um, comes here saying, I don't know what might happen. So let me just take that. Second, on the fear side is this high deductible means, oh my God, do I have to pay a really high deductible? Most plans have a high deductible, which could be any range from 3000 to up to a max of uh, $6,000 based on plans. Once that's done, everything else is being paid by the insurance. And for for just so everyone's clear, those, let's say it's up, your deductible is up to $6,000, you can pay it and you can get refunded. Through your, HD, uh, through your health savings account. People miss out on that. And if you don't use the insurance, which most people are relatively healthy, uh, barring of those, um, you actually lose the money that goes out of your paycheck for medical expenses, right? Your insurance money. Instead, if you put that money in at the say, that is invested. You go to a doctor once or twice a year, paid some amount of money, the rest is actually in your bank account getting invested. And if your employer uh, makes a contribution, that money, the moment it leaves the employer, comes to you is yours. And if you have it invested, it is forever yours to keep, whether you uh, use it or you don't. You never lose it. So that's part of the fear. Then comes part of education. <clears throat> if we go back and think about retirement, we had pensions here uh, in our country. And then came along 401k. It took 401k about 17, 18 years to become mainstream, where mid to late 90s, everybody was talking about a 401k. No one asks for a pension anymore. They haven't for the last uh, at least 15, 10, 20 years. HSAs are picking up steam now. It's very interesting, and I've said this often before, is that we are at the same juncture, 2004, 2005, 17, 18 years later, of HSAs where they are becoming a bit more mainstream because people are learning about it. They're learning about the advantages. They're learning about that this is beneficial, not just to the employees, but also to the employers because it lowers their burden of not having to pay very high uh, premiums for the plans that their employees choose. Oh, and by the way, for employers and employees, they don't pay payroll taxes, which are 7.65% or FICA taxes, as sometimes called, 
uh, on the contributions made into the HSA. So you as an employer are saving money, no payroll taxes, less uh, amount going into premium, and you as an employee are saving taxes because that money is actually going directly uh, to you. Yes, after if it's for medical expense, you can use it later on post-retirement. If you're actually using it for something else, you can do that. In many ways, HSAs are better than 401k because there's no penalty on it. You can take it out whenever you need for a medical expense. I'm furiously taking notes because now I feel like a complete, like, dumb <laughs> um, boring my kids' words. I There are so many things I did not know. Okay, you know what? When we get done, I'm going to go and read because um, I, I think that that's one of the fascinating things, isn't it? We make things so complicated, so many things we need to worry about. And then when people don't take advantage of it, we're like, uh, duh, you should have that. I wish someone would have dumped it down. Sorry, this is just Theo talking. But um, this is this is extremely insightful. Nimash, you know what you, you guys should do? Do um, like, oh, you probably do already. Bite-sized educational videos. <laughs> I bet you people will love it. Um, this is part of the education. So- yeah, and, and edu- so also let's just take a step back and think about the ecosystem from an education standpoint. The There is an education that is offered. Usually these sessions are one-hour sessions that everyone who is doing enrollment walks in. They're probably on their email, on their phone, kind of not really paying attention. And they're like, oh, my God, some function, typically HR, has established it. Uh, why do I have to sit through? I already know everything. Let me move on, right? So it's about the employer providing education, not just at the time of the enrollment, but an ongoing basis available. So video on demand, so you write about the bite size because we all have information overload. And unfortunately, I this is near just personal opinion, not a savings of uh, positioning. I believe people do not spend enough time on their finances, long-term planning, and kind of understanding where they're headed financially. Uh, if people would put even 10 to 20% amount of time that they put when buying a home in the United States, I think we'll come out on the right side. We just need to prioritize it accordingly. So employer, going back to your question, employer provided much more consistent outside of the enrollment period. The healthcare ecosystem providers such as brokers, uh, plan providers and whatnot, they need to keep making this stuff available in, to use your phrase, dumbed down words. It's not because people are, um, it's not that they're dumb and they don't understand. It's just there's so much. And this is one vector that they need to fully grok. So we provide certain things, but that's a great idea of providing bite-sized videos. Uh, we provide lit- uh, writing materials. We have an alphabet of ABCs, uh, ABC of uh, HSAs uh, that's out there. But plenty more can be done in the system to help make sure folks are understanding core benefits and be able to do the simple math to see how it actually works in their advantage. Anyone listening? Three things. Money goes in, tax-free, comes out tax-free as long as it's for medical expenses and can be invested. This is the part that is most, uh, most people are like, wait, what? And that's when I'm like, yep, let me show you how. And this is where we get it, uh, get involved is 
going back to what Savings Oak does different from everybody else is, it's not just investing in mutual funds and whatnot. It's investing in portfolios, ETFs, stocks, that gives you a better return over a period of time where their expenses are low and the yields are higher. That's where we differentiate ourselves. That's why we take about, it's not just investment, but invest the right way. That's super helpful. And that brings me to something, you know, I I do want to ask you, when we talk about financial services, we talk about investment, uh, wealth tech, for example, one of the things that people talk a lot about is, oh, what can we use the AI magic for? Where can we sprinkle the AI pixie dust? Um, Obviously, this is all the hype at the moment for the last few months. Everyone is talking about generative AI. We're all talking about, oh, you know, maybe we can plug AI in to help us do our marketing better, do promotion better, or help um, customer agents do their work better and point out things that, you know, we could have been doing. In your mind, what role do you think it can play in retirement and personal finance, which is where you're sitting right now? Yeah. It's a great question and something we are also actively thinking about all the time and actually implementing within our our, um, our product uh, as well, is we actually wrote an article about how artificial intelligence can actually uh, change uh, and augment and better health savings accounts in particular. So <clears throat> from a generative AI perspective, I believe we go back to that education aspect, enabling people to ask questions to get responses uh, for example what's the limit for HSA in 2023 uh, how much can I put into my HSA whether I'm a single person or I'm a family or whatnot those kinds of simple questions they're all out there but when we make it a little more uh, conversational from a generative AI standpoint that will make people uh, and have that information be able to consume it at their own pace, whichever modality they are most comfortable with. From a general AI standpoint in investments where we sit, um, I look at two things. We are focused on two things right now. One, personalized recommendations. Look, robo-advisory has been there for some time, but we need to take it to the next level and customize it, personalize it for the person who's actually doing it. How does it impact them? In our case, it takes it to the next level because provided some information, we could actually do recommendations based on your medical history. And uh, what we, when we are able to sample enough data, what we could project is for a family of, say, three or four or just a single person or a couple in a particular age group, if I asked you right now, not to put you on spot, but how much did you spend last year in your medical expenses? Odds are, most people, including you, would not even have a ballpark figure. So when we don't have that ballpark figure, how are you going to estimate what are you going to need when you actually, uh, we all age, we all end up with some medical issues, whether it's glasses or teeth or hearing or something even worse. But bottom line is, this will allow people to be able to get planning better, their medical expenses, and understanding that this is one of the larger uh, expenses they need to plan for in the future. So customized, 
uh, and personalized recommendations on medical expenses. Now, I'm going to talk about, I am a security guy. I came from security into this, and particularly coming from security, one of the things that I'm very paranoid and all this looking at is most, and this is not a dig at people building HR systems, it's just we've not really invested enough in in the security in the HR industry, is looking at securing the information. And where AI can help is particularly around fraud detection. Generally, in the retirement industry, there's a ton of fraud that happens. People are able to impersonate somebody else, take their retirement money, and so on and so forth. So that's one aspect, basically doing fraud detections better and be able to come up with algorithms that allow for that. Also, making sure that people don't make mistakes. So, for example, you walk somewhere um, at a CVS pharmacy or what have you, you bought a bunch of stuff. There was also some a diet uh, Coke or Coke, whatever. And you also bought your prescription. One of them is qualified. A couple are not qualified. How do we make sure you actually file it correctly? A lot of things that can, can be done underlying with the cards and stuff, but also responding the, to the user saying, hmm, your $14.99 prescription is, is a valid HSA transaction, but your other $4.99 is not. Doing those kinds of things, preventing the misuse or the abuse of accounts. And one last point on this, uh, and there's so many other things that can happen, is investment strategies. We could make for both employers and for individuals a better investment strategy so they can kind of think about not being totally dependent on all these things, bring all that data together, say, okay, analyze the market trends and be able to predict the past performance, see where it might be best for you. Let me pause there to see if other thoughts come to your mind. I, I, I love your first point about personalized recommendation because one thing that irks me a lot is whenever you see any of these articles or the sites, it always give you the, the same things, right? You maximize this and minimize this and do this. Well, okay. We are, we can all say it, but what about me? Things that are more pertinent to how I live my life, more pertinent to how old my kids are or my family and our needs, right? We, we need those because that's the nuance that takes a lot of time. And that's the nuance oftentimes is that's what generates the, Oh my God, this is a lot of work. Let me put this off. Let me wait and. Next thing you know, 10, 15 years later, we're still waiting. And then we wonder, oh my God, why didn't I not do this earlier? So I, I think that part of it, I am, I'm super hopeful. Um, and this is where the space, where I started back six, seven years ago when I was looking at, well, how can we use technology to help families plan better? Looking at multi-generations, looking at, you know, my parents who are getting older, my kids who need to go to college and, Somehow, someday, I need to think about my retirement, all three happening at the exact same time 10 years from now. What do we do? When we look at longevity, we look at financial security in the long term, oftentimes where people start falling apart is not only when they get a little older, but also their loved ones, their parents. They get older. We talk a lot about um, financial caregiving. And oftentimes, that's when you realize, oh, I need to take a break from work. I need to take care of, you know, take a few months off, take care of my mom, for example, living somewhere else. 
And that's the brick that kills you because you did not plan for it. And we have enough technology. We should be able to at least have a semi-clear crystal ball to see into the future. And I'm hopeful for it. Um, to your point, though, I am super paranoid, a little bit scared about security and, you know, our data and where that falls. And would someone know too much about me? How do we get over that? So I don't know if we need to get too over about it, but understanding that certain amount of data for all of us is already out there, whether it's through the breaches, whether it's through our interactions on Facebook and all the other social media and what have you. So we have to take a step back and kind of think about what exactly is the data that we need to protect. And you talked about personalized recommendations and I mentioned something about, well, we can predict uh, how much a family of four might spend on medical expenses. When we anonymize this information, then we can leverage it to basically help people in ways that they will be able to better plan. Keeping that information anonymized, keeping that information really secure and ensuring, and that's the hard part in security, ensuring that constantly you will never be breached. I mean, there's, it just doesn't work like that because they need to succeed once where you need to succeed. It's pretty much like a secret service uh, sort of thing. They got to be on their job 24 by 7, 365 days a year, right? Um, so I think from our from our vantage point, we're looking, there are companies building solutions. Don't hold PII that you personally identify information that you don't need. Let it be with systems that are already secure, built just for that purpose. Don't keep PHI, personal health information that you don't need. There are systems that are built just to keep that information secure. So thinking about partnering with organizations, partnering with systems that actually enable and promote and align with your uh, vision and strategy of keeping data secure is, is uh, important as part of what, what we are doing. The other part that I, again, being a security guy, I've always been, so this is the funny dichotomy, right? You asked, uh, you mentioned about the side segue, and then I'll come right back to it is, I started my life in what was called knowledge management, became collaboration, social media. From there, I went into cybersecurity. So I went from let's collect everything to question why is anything being collected? And here I am now leveraging both of those in FinTech saying we only need what we need to be able to decipher and help people. So don't go down the path of collect everything. It's just a wrong path to go. And anyone listening again, if you're in social media, please don't collect everything. You don't need it. Um, the, that's like to all the folks out there. Now, coming back to your, your comment about, uh, you know, how do we get over it? I think we just understand today one name search versus anyone if you have ever been online you're going to find a lot more than you actually want to know. Um, however, the question is, if that information is already out there, can we actually bring some meaningful information for you? So, for example, the United States government has required hospitals and other medical institutions to open up charges for different kinds of services. You could look at what does an x-ray cost, what does a, some other uh, op or procedure cost. We are looking at ways to optimize and bring it information to you, closer to you, if we know where you are, that in the zip code of 12345, within a five-mile radius, if you needed an X-ray, 
or if you needed some sort of a ultrasound or what have you, one, who are those facilities? And secondly, who's got the cheapest price? So that's kind of taking the data, public data available, and then bringing it to leverage so that makes sure you can actually get the best out of it. Like that transparency in medical cost. That's a, a long running joke that we often have. If you go buy a car, you know for a fact approximately how much it would cost. You go buy, I don't know, a computer, you know how much it would cost. But if you go to a hospital or go see a doctor, you don't know until you get the bill and then you get surprised. Oh my goodness, what just happened? Um, <laughs> more work to be done on that. And that would go a long way into helping us. Plan, plan ahead, right? Having the knowledge of data, that is so important. Before I let you go, I do want to bring up something because I, I saw it on LinkedIn, you posted, and it was so thoughtful. I want to actually want to quote it on here. And you said, consistency is the ultimate stimulant required to overcome any goal in writing, running, or in life. Stick with whatever you're doing or want to do, and you will improve over time, PRs are meant to be broken by the future you. Especially that last point. I felt like it was speaking to me um, because we are all in, you know, living in a time where we're constantly encouraged to compare with someone else, someone else down the street, someone else you never met some stranger out in the ecosystem and somehow everyone is comparing you to that someone else or you are comparing yourself to someone else. Nothing good can come out of this. Um, but since you are the very sane and Zen person who put that so beautifully, do you have any tips you can share with us before I let you go? Cause I totally need that is for my own sanity. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if these are tips, um, but it, the, we are who we are more by our experiences than by our training. Um, in my mind, the, many moons ago, when I would run, I would run really fast or try to run fast and eventually realize that every four or five months, I would be uh, kind of like something or the other way. Uh, stop functioning shin splints was my common issue and i would be out for months and then i will heal and then i'll go do the same thing over and over again and uh, my wife is a big proponent if you keep doing the same things over and over again don't expect different results so in order to fix that i or finding different results i had to change my ways and uh, that led to me running much slowly and i stopped worrying about the time at all i start, started focusing more on time on feet rather than how fast I was running. That was a big revolution for me. And over a period of time, started to get faster and what have you. So, and the the, the core thing is, and a lot of people talk about it. I think Simon Sinek's uh, start with why is extremely important. Why are you doing what, whatever it is that you're doing in life, why are you doing it? And having a very simple, clear reason. Why do I wake up? Well, I slept enough. I need to wake up. Uh, I'm awake today. What am I going to do? I'm going to do something meaningful and productive with my day today. Right? We all prepare these lists and so on and so forth. But at a macro level, I've always thought about what's one thing I can help myself first 
Because if I can't help myself, there's no way I can help anybody else. What can I do for others? How can I actually make sure there's every day I do progress? And everyone's pace of progress is very different. One of the things that I talk a lot about with people, young folks, especially around retirement and whatnot, people say, well, I don't need this because I got 30 years. So that's awesome. You got 30 years to retire. But here's the thing. If you start putting money now in retirement and leverage the power of compounding, you're going to turn up much better than somebody who even tries to do 10x, 20x for, uh, than you, even after just 10-year difference. It's just the way the compounding works. So start small, stick with it, be regular with whatever it is that people are uh, are, are all about. I am all about um, uh, running and focusing on business and so on and so forth. One of the things I learned I am poor at, and this is my this year's work that I need to work on, is getting better at writing and publishing uh, out more. And my daughter, who I'm extremely proud of, the reason why I mentioned that, is she edited uh, and wrote for her uh, elementary school's um, weekly newsletter the entire year. And that is a very amazing thing for me to learn from, being consistent, uh, that she wrote every week on a Thursday. The Thursday word would actually include her article. And so she beat me. Hands down, and uh, now I got to catch up. I'm not comparing myself with her. I am not going to be able to write weekly, but I'm going to do a monthly uh, job of it. So, again, setting the right expectations so that you don't try to do too much. I love that. I admire her focus, her consistency. It's hard to do because just like running, I had not been consistent ever since COVID. There's always a reason. I was busy doing something and busy doing something else. Or before the show started, we talked about the minute you picked up the phone, that's it. Your whole day is gone. So that's what I need to work on is get back into being in shape for half marathon. So I look forward to it and I look forward to your writing. Um, I am sure if we would enjoy it as immensely as I loved your last LinkedIn post. So thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Niraj. It's absolutely delightful. And uh, thank you for so much nuggets and uh, gosh, learning. I learned a whole ton today. <laughs> so appreciate it. And uh, for the rest of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of One Vision. We will talk to you all next week. 